Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, State of the U Podcast, episode eight. Uh, it seems almost crazy that we've had uh, eight episodes already, and um, here we are, and we've got a lot to talk about today. We're going to be joined by two outstanding former student athletes in Donovan Kirk and Justin Heller. Uh, we're going to have Cam Underwood, uh, one of our State of the U writers on here, and he's going to talk about a less pleasant subject, and Ryan Williams, who, if you haven't heard, tore his ACL and a non-contact drill on Friday. And um, I'm also going to be joined by Josh Kaufman on here, and uh, he's going to help co-host the show. And we'll have Donovan and Justin on shortly. Josh, how are you today? I'm doing good, Jay. How are you? Uh, great, man. It, it seems almost sad that today we're going to be talking about, you know, ACLs and uh, all kinds of unpleasantries um, when we're fortunate enough to have uh, Justin and Donovan on here. We got the baseball team uh, in the midst of a seven-game uh, winning streak. Um, so we're, we're going to get to that later in the show. But uh, are you psyched to have Donovan and Justin on here? Yeah, I think, Hello. I think it's great. Hello? Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah who do we have on? Hey, this, is, this is Donovan. What's up, y'all? Hey, what's up, hey, Donovan? Man, Donovan? Great to have you on hey, the show. And, uh, and I could hey, see Justin's also on. Yeah, I'm on the line, too. Great to have you guys. Um, I I know your guys, your time is limited, and you guys have a lot to do. Um, So we're going to jump right in. And uh, before we get to any questions, I want you guys to tell our listeners a little bit about what you guys are now doing uh, with their UM careers now over. You guys started something called HK Basketball Skills Academy. Uh, Donovan, why don't you start out and tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Oh, uh, yeah, Justin and I decided to start a basketball camp at ages 7 to 11 years old. We seen it was uh, an opportunity to get it in the gym and work with some kids within the area in Coral Gables and, and South Miami. We just, you know, we, we just really wanted to do it, and we actually put things together, you know. We got it, we got it working, and now we uh, we have our own gym now where, we can, where we're hosting it at. It's, and it's really going to be a fun and exciting camp slash clinic for the kids in the area. So uh, we we're just really looking forward to it, and uh, it starts April 12th, and uh, we'll try to get as many kids involved as we possibly can. And uh, for those listening that may be interested, you can contact these guys at hkacademy14 at gmail.com, or you can call yes. 248-935-0159. Again, hkacademy14 at gmail, and the phone's 248-935-0159. Uh, now, Justin, yeah, um, what, what was the impetus for you guys starting this, and, and what can people expect? And we also hear that Ryan Brown might be a uh, one of the coaches as well. Can you confirm that? Yeah, well, Donovan actually had the idea, and he came up to me, and he said he was trying to start a basketball camp. But, you know, in Miami, it's so crowded, it's very hard to find a gym. So that was the first thing we had to figure out. Then once we found a gym, we pretty much just set it up from there. So what we're really trying to do is have a fun and competitive camp. We want to really focus on skill work, fundamentals, really developing the kids' game before we start with the competition because, you know, there's a lot of leagues down here. The kids just get right into it and play, but sometimes the guys just stay knew a little bit more about the game and they can work on those things prior to playing. Yeah, that's exactly it. Justin Justin said it perfectly. You know, sometimes, you know, in 
in the grand scheme of things, a lot of people just like to get basketballs out there and just let the kids figure it out. But we want to take the time and work with the kids and help them develop their own, develop their skills and then bring it into the competition, you know. And then they also give them drills they can take home with their take home and work on individually and with their friends. Hey, can I ask you guys a question? Uh, uh, in your in your development as basketball players growing up, was there anybody that kind of helped you guys out? Did you were you able to attend clinics and and all the kind of things you're trying to do for uh, young basketball players today? Oh yeah, exactly. I remember going to uh, the LeBron James Skills Academy when uh, in, in high school, and you know they really like you know dissected it down into playing games for maybe you know, and, and 10 second regulation, what to do. And also, you know, and also, you know, how to properly rebound, how to properly box out, you know, how how fast you need to react to the ball. You know, really, really, you know, dissecting the game now. Even in a, at an amateur level, like in eighth grade, I went to Central Michigan to post basketball camp, and that was an incredible experience because I was able to really, really, you know, you know, fine-tune my skills and learn more about how to be a post player. So that was pretty cool as well. What about you guys? Yeah, guys. basketball? Uh, uh, yeah, the the most basketball I played uh, was uh, wellness center basketball. My days at UL. Oh yeah, yeah. Jay and I were wellness center semi all stars. We're on second court. Oh, oh nice. nice. Yeah. Nice. When you're five foot have no jump. You you can't really do too much. Uh, I I played high school football um, growing up, and you know at, at five foot eight, and you know without the without Shane Larkin type quickness, I, I never did quite get into the organized basketball. But I, I think college basketball is easily my favorite sport. Um, oh yeah. You know, there's there's nothing better than March Madness. Um, yeah. which, but I, I want to get back to one more thing to ask you guys to follow up with Josh asked you about guys influencing you. Uh, now Donovan, I know you started out with Miami at Frank Hayes, with Frank Hayes, and then you moved on to DePaul for a couple of years and came back to UM. Yeah. But can yeah. you tell me, and then maybe Justin could add in, um, on what it's like to play for Coach Laranaga and and how he compares to other coaches that you experienced in your career? Yeah, I think uh, I would say Coach L is a great motivator and a great teacher. Uh, he's big on you know really you know breaking down the game and helping you you know see and realize what the most important things are to winning the game. And then also individually, he can break down your game individually and tell you what you need to work on, what you're really good at. So I think those are some things that make him great because, you know, he, he knows how to put you in positions to actually, you know, you know excel and, and do what you're best at doing, you know, offensively and defensively. Uh, I know Justin probably, Justin probably has a, a, a learned a lot from him as well, being here with him for three years. Yeah, so, I wanted yeah. to ask Justin the same question about Coach L and kind of as a follow-up to that as well. You know, do you think things that you've learned from Coach L you're going to bring to the HK Academy when you teach these younger younger kids? Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Well, one of the things with Coach L is he's really an old-school kind of guy, and he's not really with the, you know, the yelling and the embarrassing the guys and, you know, trying to make an example out of somebody. He really cares about all the players. And he doesn't yell or scream unless it's necessary. He's not doing all the unnecessary antics that you see a lot in college basketball for that. So he, um, I think that what we've learned from him is that teaching the game is one of the most important things before you can go anywhere. He always starts with the small 
uh, you know, the small steps before you take big steps, and I think that's important, and we can really focus on learning all the little things first and then putting it together and looking at the big picture. Yes, that's easy. Another thing, too, is that Coach L, the drills that we go through are, are really are really great because you can evaluate yourself, in, you know, when you're by yourself. You know, like we, with the shooting drills, it's, it's time. You can see how many you can make in a certain amount of time, you know, or – and so, so that that's huge when it comes to being able to, to, to evaluate yourself. Thanks, guys. Yeah, that's. I mean, you could see the the steady improvement the team's made since Coach L took over. So, uh, bringing that type of um, mentorship to your academy, I, I'm sure it's going to suit you guys well. Oh, thank you. Uh, so, the next question we wanted to ask. Um, we we got to ask these type of questions because um, even though this year was incredibly fun to watch you guys, um, you guys were a very competitive team, um, you know, performed admirably, uh, didn't make it to the NCAA tournament um, the way you guys did last year, but with so many new players, that's tough to do. And, and one of the things that Josh and I wanted to ask you guys was about some of those new players that are going to be eligible next year that we didn't get a chance to see. Um, I think I'll start with you this first this this first question, Justin. Can you give us a little scouting report on DeAndre Burnett? Sure. I think that uh next year as far as from the fan standpoint, there's something to be excited about because starting with DeAndre Burnett, he's one of the most natural scorers I've ever seen in college basketball. I mean he wow. just has a knack for scoring. There's he's gotta work on some things. He's still young, he's going to be a freshman, retro freshman, but the one thing that translates extremely well from his high school to his prep school and out to college is he can score the basketball, which is going to be fun for people to watch. Uh, just as a follow-up to that, I mean, are we going to be looking at, like, a Shabazz Napier-type player of UConn who's having so much success, or is there anybody that, I mean, you say that he's, he scores better than anybody you've seen in college basketball, but is there anybody for those of us that haven't got to see him play that much, so you can compare his game to, or is he kind of unique? Um, it's pretty unique. Um, you know, he's bigger than those guys, the Russ Smith and the Shabazz Napier kind of guys. He's much stronger and bulkier, so he uses his body to his advantage. But um, he definitely is a high-volume scorer like those guys. He takes shots, but he makes a lot of shots. But um, it's going to be interesting to put a guy like that in the same backcourt as someone like Angel, who is a pass-first, like a traditional guard. So if the two of them can work together well, which that they're going to, I think it's going to be really exciting. Justin, I don't want to put you too much on the spot here, but uh, (laughs) uh, we got Manu Lucan had an outstanding freshman year uh, at, Mm -hmm. you know, Playing point guard in the ACC, he, I think he did better than anybody could have expected. Uh, what's it like watching Rodriguez, who you alluded to, and and, and uh, Lacan go out and practice? And how do you think they'll work together next year? You know, it's it's really going to be difficult because, like you said, Monu did have an outstanding freshman year, um, so it's going to be very competitive. I I watch them in practice, and you can definitely see that. Angel is a veteran point guard. He knows the tricks to the game. You know, he's a very smart, experienced player. Whereas Manu, coming from another country, you know, young, 
young guy, true freshman. He's kind of learning everything for the first time. So one of the things that he had a little trouble with, well, two of the things he had trouble with is defensively he was kind of just, you know, shadowing around. He didn't realize that he needs to really be a presence on defense, and that's something that we saw from Shane and Angel, two guards that are both small like Manu, is although they're small, they were pests on defense. You know, they're always trying to steal the ball, always pressuring the guard. So that was something that towards the end of the year, Manu really, really got down because Coach L really started to emphasize that. But, you know, sometimes in practice, they go at it. Angel gives them fifth sometimes, but then Manu comes right back at him. So it's going to be interesting. They're both definitely going to get a lot of playing time, um, and I think the competition will be a good thing. Uh, I would agree. Now, now, Donovan, I want to put you on the spot. It's only fair. I put uh, Justin <laughs> on the spot for a second. But let's talk so, Sheldon uh, McClellan, who's a, a uh, six foot five uh, wing player who transferred in from Texas. Uh, you guys got to practice against him. What, what did you see from Sheldon, and what can the fans expect from him next year? Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to put too much pressure on Sheldon, but I think he's. A, I think he definitely can be a professional basketball player, and I and I and I really mean that when I say that he's about, you know, he really he looks like it's hard at six five. Look about about six 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 seven, and you know he he's unbelievably fast. You know, I mean the, the two has like a, and he he jumped like a like 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 forty four and a half inches in it. You know, in the uh, in the testing, yeah, for like a vertical. So you know. You know he's, he's really he's really really a freak athlete. He's quick. He can shoot. He can dribble the ball. Uh, I think uh, one thing for him is really going to be, you know, you know, be, being a leader. You know, and and making sure he's consistent in his play on on the defensive end and offensive end. And I think uh, you know him and Angel are roommates. I think they're very very locked down and and passionate about this upcoming season. I think they're going to you know do whatever they can to double win. But I think uh, if uh, you know, I think I think it's up to Sheldon, really. You know, I think he can. I think he'd be as good as he wants to be. So he's a he's a really right. talented player. You guys probably seen that if you watched him play in Texas too. But you know, he's he's, he's a lot stronger now than what he was when he was at Texas. Absolutely, uh, I've actually yeah. found a YouTube clip with uh, Texas playing Kansas State last year, and I think uh, Angel had like 15 points and five assists, and Sheldon had like 16 points and six rebounds, and you know, watching those highlights, I, I think Texas was in the midst of a very poor year, but you could still see Sheldon's talent. And, I mean, Angel, you could just see, maybe not as athletic, but having that Shane Larkin-type presence um, yeah. on the floor. So it's yeah. going to be a lot of fun watching those guys, especially with DeAndre in the mix. Um, oh, yeah, but, definitely. But let, let's just rewind for a second and talk a little bit about uh, this past season that just finished. Um I thought you guys competed great. Um, you know, there are a lot of close games that you guys are maybe one or two buckets away from winning that, you know, could have really changed yeah. the season. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, crazy. Donovan, we think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to start with you on this one, Donovan. Um, oh. Which players do you think improved the most over the course of the season? And uh, which players that were on this year's team that are returning next year do you think uh, can, can have the biggest impact? Uh, I think uh, Garius, Eric, and Manu was, were, were huge, you know, players who really, really started to play better and better as the season went. It was incredible to watch that and watch that happen. I know Garius had some really good games coming down the stretch, and uh, I also think um, 
Swoop, man, wow. You, you, I mean, the, the guy was a was a walking highlight reel. You know, he was incredible. Uh, but it was it was cool. To, it was cool to see that the Manu man coming down the stretch. His defense got so much better. He started to improve on the offensive end, and you know, and, and even he is an incredible shooter. Um, I think you're going to be. I think you're really going to be able to see that a lot more next year. And another person, I, I mean, well, I really, I really, really think you should watch out for next year is Sheldon. I think Sheldon is, is cooking up to have a have a really good season in Angel. And uh, you know, I think those those guys that play college basketball already, they kind of know what to expect. They're going into a really good league. It's going to be a lot of good teams next year as well. So it'd be it'd be nice to see them on the uh, on on TV and watch to see see how they play. Uh, outstanding, Justin. How about the same question for you? Um, who, who really improved in your eyes over the course of the year, and who should we look out for that that played this year uh, on the floor next year? Um, first, before the guys returning, I thought Ryan Brown had an incredible senior year. I was really proud of him to see. Uh, you know, he played his role for three years, played a lot of minutes for three years, and now this year when. He was supposed to be the man. I think he really stepped up to it. He had multiple 20-point games, and I think that because of that, that's one of the reasons we were so competitive this year. But yeah, uh, I agree. You're, forward. You're, you're not just singling out Ryan because he's one of your coaches on the <laughs> – No. I mean, I, I, I'm just kidding. I'm I don't on. think anybody could have watched him this year and not, and not be amazed at Ryan. So, I'm sorry. Continue on. I mean, it's nice to have him as a coach with the HK Academy, but he also proved it on the court as well. So, um, with the guys coming back next year, I think I think that Manu, like we talked about, he had a great freshman year. I think he's only going to get better. Um, I'm excited to see Davon go from that freshman to sophomore year. I think that he's a player that has a chance to have a great career here at the University of Miami. And the big question mark really is if Tanya is going to take that step to where he needs to be. Um, his freshman year, he didn't really have to do much. As we know, we had all the big guys from last year's team. This year, it was a little more. And now next year, he's going to be the starting center. It's his chance to really take some steps forward and dominate inside with his rebounding and his ability to catch alley-oops and his nice little jump shot. I mean, he has all the tools to do it, so I'm really looking forward to see how he does next year. Hey, Justin, just a quick follow-up about Tanya. Uh, when, when, you pra- when, when he's in practice, is he, is he more consistent than he was during the games? Is there something about... Uh, uh, maybe his, his instincts on the court since he came late to basketball, that's kind of holding him up. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, really, over the summer when he was in the gym every day and, you know, we have the workouts and stuff like that, he was really, really um, playing well in practice. I mean, I thought that going into the season, he was going to be a double-double every night. I mean, he was killing in practice. And then kind of – on the court, when his game was not doing as well, it was pretty similar in practice. So I think that it's, like we were saying, I think it's a mental thing. I think that he, you know, he's barely been playing the game of basketball. And I think with another year of experience and his head in the right place, I think that he he's going to have the opportunity to, to have a breakout year. 
Cool. Yeah, I mean, if you watch the NCAA tournament, the way UConn played last night um, in eliminating Florida, and then, you know, even more so the way Kentucky pounded the glass, you got to have that big guy. I'm sure Donovan would agree with me here. Um, oh, yeah. You know, guard play is huge as well. I mean, you see what Connecticut's doing. But the game gets so physical as you get down into the final round of the NCAA tournament. You really got to have that big guy um, to do the dirty work and to be a presence uh, down low yeah. to advance. So, Tanya's development to me has got to be one of the three storylines, along with the newcomers, and um, you know, seeing what guys like Manu and Devon can do. Um, yeah. You know, in the second year in the program. So, uh, and I, I wanted to ask you guys. Um, I, I know you guys are going to stay you know, close to the program and watch as many games as possible. Of course, you guys have HK Academy going now, um, which should be outstanding. Again, for those uh, interested, HK Academy 14 at Gmail. And the, the phone number is 248-935-0159. Um, in addition to HK, uh, starting with you, Justin, can you guys tell me what your, your post-UM plans are? Yeah, um, I'm actually very excited. Uh, it's not official yet, but it looks like I'm going to, be around. I think I'm going to come back next year. Uh, University of Miami offers a one-year MBA program. So, um, you know, I was anxious to get out of school, but for one more year, I think that I can come back, and I'm excited to do it because I'll get to still go to the games and, you know, pop in around the program whenever I whenever I get the chance. So I'll still be around next year. I'm going to get my master's, and uh, from there, we'll see what happens. Before we get to Donovan on, on the same question, guys, I just want to ask you, Justin, uh, you came to the program as a walk-on, and you were awarded a scholarship this past year. Can you tell us what that felt like? Yeah, it was it was an unbelievable feeling. It was really, um, you know, something that I'll never forget. It's like you, you – the benefit, obviously, is being on uh, ACC Division One basketball team you get to, you know, have this group of guys that you're with every day that you become great friends with. And that's pretty much it. I mean, you're not playing. You do practice, but no one sees that. It's not really that many uh, perks, so to speak. But after working, you know, working hard and trying to do the best I could and trying to be a good teammate, it's like I got rewarded with the ultimate the ultimate perk and, you know, the ultimate reward, which was getting the scholarship. So, I mean, it was a great thing that Coach L and the other coaches decided to do. I really appreciated it. And it was, like, a really uh, nice feeling of, you know, like them paying back to me, in a sense, for the hard work that I put in. Uh, Excellent, Justin. And it was well-earned. And we wish you good luck on the NBA. Uh, Donovan, can you tell us a little bit about what what you're planning on doing post UM? Oh yeah, so you know, currently I'm finishing my master's right now in community in the community social change program. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I'm you know I'm really I'm I got my undergrad degree in marketing in the business school at DePaul, but now I'm uh, doing community social change program, which is pretty which is based on you know program evaluation and, and studying nonprofits and making and helping kind of like help them with making big business decisions. So uh, it's it's a it's a really it's a really cool really cool opportunity and now right now I'm in the process of picking out an agent and seeing where I'm gonna play at 
Uh, I'm looking at some. Some I'm looking at Belgium, France, uh, Spain, and, and Israel for opportunities to. Uh, well, I might you know continue my my career. Uh, of course, I want to take the NBA route as well, but looking looking like there's more opportunities for me overseas. Uh, so uh, I mean, it's been it's been a it's been a long journey, but uh, it looks like you know it's all it's all finally finally play off. Um, I'm just grateful. I mean, really get my uh, get two degrees for five years and and also be able to you know be that continue my basketball career and also be able to do my do the basketball camp. This is something I've always been passionate about. The HK basketball skill academy and now coming to fruition right now is really it's really a blessing, you know. And because uh, I, I I mean I, at first I didn't know how it was gonna be when I was working with kids stuff uh, because I've always did it in Michigan and now just I just something I just became used to and I like it. I think that it's so fun to watch them learn and watch them play. So uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, you know. I'm so glad that me and Justin they would team up and. You know, Justin, and Justin earned a scholarship was awesome as well. Seeing that, I mean, I mean this guy is a, is a very talented young man. He's very business savvy, and he spent you know four years investing his time into this program. And I think, and I think that I think it was huge for him to to see him get that get that scholarship. You know, I really I think he put a lot of work into it. You know, he you know he sacrificed a lot of time. And uh, I just want to congratulate to him. You know, on the radio and, and everyone. You know, I'm proud of him. I know he's happy about it too. Thank you. No. <laughs> Outstanding, gentlemen. Uh, be- before I let you guys go, we're, we also have a state of the U writer uh, Cam mm-hmm. Underwood, who did play some. High- unlike myself, he did play some high school hoops. And, and I want to give Cam an opportunity to to ask you guys anything he wanted to um, before we let you guys go. And we'll give Josh one more chance to ask you something too after Cam, and, and then we'll let you guys uh, uh, get going. But uh, Cam, go ahead. Yeah, uh, this is going to be for Donovan. Uh, first of all, I'm a native Detroiter like you. Um, I oh, made nice. a, a wiser, wiser choice. I went to Cranbrook, not Country Day. But uh, oh, wow. <laughs> for those who don't know, those were rival high schools um, uh, that we went to. Um, but, yeah, tell me a little bit, um, what was your, like, favorite part of the transition from the cold down here to Miami uh, through your uh, career? Oh, man, as you, as you probably know, that you know, I think in Michigan hit about minus 40, and while they were minus 40, we were enjoying 70, 75-degree weather. So I think the transition went well. <laughs> I, think, I, think I, definitely got, I think I definitely got lucky on that, man. I, was, I mean, I was being able to wake up happy all day and see some sunshine on palm trees, you know, and being able to, maybe, maybe able to go to the beach sometimes when you're free. So, you know, that, I, think, uh, I, think, I think I dodged a bullet, and I think it was, I think it was a great transition. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? I know you're happy to be back. You're happy to be down here. Yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, it's the same kind of a thing, you know, calling friends in November uh, when it's snowing up home and, you know, we're on uh, fall break and going to the beach, things like that. Uh, you know, and I, I love it so much. I've been here for 14 years now, so I kind of don't want to leave it. But, yeah, that uh, the, the transition for the, the weather was definitely a positive move for the both of us, I think. Oh, nice, nice. Okay, guys, so we're, we're going to let Donovan and Justin go, but I just want to remind one more time um, our listeners, uh, they are doing HK Academy uh, three weekends in April, uh, or three Saturdays in April, three weekends in May. For more information, you can email them at hkacademy14 at gmail.com. Uh, the phone number again is 248-935-0159. I can't thank you enough for coming on. You guys are more than welcome to come on uh, anytime you want. 
Uh, we may cool. even have, I, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but we may even have cool. Julian Gamble co-host one of our shows one of these weekends, so maybe we can bring you on for oh, that. Cool. Great. Oh, nice, um, nice. Yeah, yeah, let us know. Yep, Julian is uh is an unaf- well he's he's a member of State of the U. He's written an article for us. He, he participates. Oh, cool. So, uh, you know, another avenue for you guys if the NBA doesn't work out, if uh, overseas career doesn't work out, uh, State of the U is always open to uh, former basketball players to come on the right. So, thanks. Oh, nice. Thank you. Uh, th- well, thank great. You guys again. I, will, I, I appreciate you guys having us on. And remember, guys, all, all the people listening, sign your kid up. Seven to eleven years old. It's gonna be a great camp. Absolutely. And thank you guys again for, for coming on. Okay. Thanks, oh, thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. We'll Enjoy your weekend. Yeah. All right. Good guys. What's up? All right, bye. Bye. All right, guys. And that, that was Donovan Kirk and Justin Heller. We're truly uh, thrilled to have them on the show with us. And uh, they're they're doing great things uh, in their post-GM career. Uh, before we move on to less pleasant subjects, um, uh-oh. I just want to remind folks that every Wednesday at 6 p.m., uh, the Amigo uh, hosts the Amigo show. This past week, he had Alonzo Highsmith on. The week before, he had Al Golden. And um, The Amigo show would like to thank the law offices of Hockman and Golden, PA, at www.tickettlawfirm.com. Both attorneys, Sonny Golden and Scott Hockman, are graduates of the U, both undergrad and law school. Celebrating 20 years of helping drivers with traffic-related incidents, speaking tickets, red light camera violations, accidents, 305-665-1000 or TicketLawFirm.com. Hey, somebody hit our producer in the head. He hit the wrong clip. Hogwash! <laughs> <laughs> Guys, be sure to check out the Amigo Show Wednesday, 6 p.m. All right. We had a fun little conversation with the basketball guys, Cam. We got to talk about something less pleasant, and, and I think you know what that is. Yeah, yeah, we're going to switch it up now and, and go from uh, basketball to football. Uh, so I guess I'll take over the con. Um, yeah, so yesterday uh, evening, the Saturday evening, as we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon, um, news broke uh, courtesy of Susan Miller Degman from the Miami Herald that um, Ryan Williams has a torn ACL and he'll be um, undergoing surgery for that this week. Um, Matt Porter of the Palm Beach Post, he also had uh, confirmation through another source shortly thereafter. Uh, and then with everything swirling in social media world like that, uh, Associate AD for Communications, Chris Yandel from the U Athletic Department, he actually got on Twitter and then gave official confirmation from the university on that. Um, so, um, well, first of all, guys, what are your what are your initial thoughts on that with, uh, you know, a fifth-year senior presumptive starting quarterback all of a sudden um, probably gone for the year. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Josh. No, I mean, you can start off. All all, all I was going to say is, uh, you know, we were talking about this last night a little bit, and obviously when your starting quarterback goes down before the season, it's it's like a a devastating blow. Probably at least – I don't know the percentages, but it's got to be at least 75, 80% of the time things don't go too well after that if not more. Um, I guess the one bright spot I would see is you have some, some good young quarterbacks, Kaya and Olsen, and, you know, maybe you catch lightning in a bottle with one of them. Yeah, yeah that's fair. I, I, I agree, but um, I, I'm, I'm incredibly disappointed 
for the young man, first and foremost, because Ryan has been waiting patiently. Um, he's been backing up Stephen Morris for the past couple of years. Uh, he's done everything the coach has asked him. And this year, his, 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 his year, um, the competition with him and Olsen is very real, and, and Olsen's made some great strides. But all indications are uh, that Ryan was leading the quarterback race by a good by a good margin, and, and this was going to be his team and his season. Um, so I'm incredibly disappointed for the young man. Um, as far as for Definitely. the team, yeah, for the team, I, I see what you're saying, and I agree. Um, long term, this might actually be helpful if the young guys get a little bit of experience uh, that they might not have gotten with Ryan at the helm. Um, I, I don't know short term if it's going to be a positive because you'd rather have the guy that has all the experience and has the playbook down pat and has the comfortability with his receivers uh, more than the young guys. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm torn. I'm just first and foremost disappointed for him. And then second, I'm disappointed short term for the team, but I could see the long-term benefit of these guys being able to play a little bit sooner. Yeah, and, you know, I think that that's um, what a lot of people are saying. Um, it is – you know, the the rumor is the injury was – well, not a rumor because Yandel tweeted it. He said it was a non-contact injury. Um, and in most everybody's, you know, experience, the non-contact ACL injuries happen to be uh, the more catastrophic ones. Um, so, yeah, you know, hopefully he will recover uh, well and, and be healthy. But, yeah, it is, uh, it's a tough blow for, for a young man who's been waiting for years uh, – for another opportunity to start after having started five years ago as a true freshman at Memphis. Um, now, I, I wrote another article today about what happens next in the offense, and I hit on a couple of points. And the main thing that uh, this really comes down to is who's going to be the next quarterback? Is it going to be Kevin Olsen going through, or is there some way that Brad Kaya can come in and start? So, uh, Jerry, I want to start this time with you. Um, what would be the best-case scenario at quarterback as we move forward in your eyes? Okay. Uh, I don't know how popular, or maybe this is going to be incredibly popular. Um, there's something about Kaya that really stands out to me when I watch his film. Uh, and I haven't, I'll, I'll be fair, I haven't watched as much film of Olsen. Um, to me, the best-case scenario is that Kaya comes in in August and he's a natural and he takes over, and he's the starter for the next four years. And, and you just get a guy that is, you know, somebody that, and again, this is not fair to put this type of pressure on him, but he just ends up being an all-time UM quarterback from, from the day he steps on campus. Now, that's not realistic, but, but you did ask my best-case scenario. Um, um, I, I want to I ask you a question, Cam, before you move on to Josh. A guy that's not being mentioned in this conversation at all is a guy that's been in the program for a couple of years and Greg Crow. Uh, is there any chance at all that he gets playing time or can even compete for the starting job? I mean, I, I don't really see how that happens. When when the news um, started trickling out about the scrimmage before the news of the injury, but Friday evening, Saturday morning, when they're talking about, okay, this is what happened in the scrimmage, and all of a sudden – you saw, hey, Gray Crow actually got snatched in the live part of the scrimmage because if you remember in the first scrimmage, he did not. Uh, he and the other quarterbacks who were non-scholarship players, they only worked out in drills, and it was Olsen and Williams got, who had all the live snaps in the scrimmage. So 
it was shocking um, to me to even see that he got live action snaps in the scrimmage. Um, so, and I don't know how many of those that he actually got, but if for me, I was surprised to see that he got some run in a closed scrimmage. I really don't see how he figures in or could possibly have a chance uh, to be the starting quarterback. I just don't see it. Okay, fair enough. Well, well my my uh, my best case scenario is very simple. Uh, it's even more unrealistic than yours, probably. It's just he turns into Jameis Winston, one of them. And my worst case scenario is they're they're either like Robert Marv and Kirby Freeman running around back there. Well, <laughs> I mean that's that's what you're looking at. You're looking at that spectrum somewhere in there. Uh, you know, if I had to bet on it, I, it probably wouldn't be towards the top half at this point. But you know, you never know. Yeah, I mean, I, you, I don't you know don't what ever know. Unrealistic, though, is it more unrealistic for for let's say Olsen was the starting job for him to be more like Jameis Winston or for him to be more like uh, let's say Carby Freeman? Well, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're talking about a redshirt freshman quarterback who comes in and starts and wins a Heisman, we have two of those ever. We have Johnny Manziel from two years ago and Jameis Winston from last year. So out of the history of all of the redshirt freshman quarterbacks to ever start, there are two unique instances of someone on that level. So for me, I'm going to say that that's probably going to be the part that is less likely to happen. <laughs> Agreed. Although, hey, let me although it happened, you know, it's been two straight years it's happened. Yeah, two straight years. I was just going to say that. So maybe, what? you know. Right, yes. Yeah, according two according years, to so this, this is going to be your number three all over the bill, right. Uh, according, to, according to Idiot's Logic, it should happen again next year. For her, this time it will be Miami. Well, Idiot's Logic or Twitter Logic, because, you know, when, when we have arguments with people on Twitter, they – largely uh, don't have perspective. So, you know, that that could very well be true. Um, now, you mentioned uh, the combination of uh, Robert Marv slash Kirby Freeman, but um, I'm going to take Robert Marv and somebody else. So Robert Marv's uh, redshirt freshman year, we had Ja'Cory Harris also here on campus, and both of them played. Um, in your eyes, uh, Josh, first, do you think that playing both Austin and Kyle would be a good thing, or would that be uh, an undesirable event for you? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, I would I would play both of them actually, I, I, unless one of them will be that much better than the other one. If there's if there's neck and neck, you play both of them. You see see who comes out on top. I, I have no problem with that. I, you know, if you're not set on a quarterback, just picking one because you have to it doesn't really make sense. So I'd, I'd like to see, you know, they're wild cards. Any any young player is a wild card, especially a quarterback. And I would, I would play both of them and see where it goes. Unless one guy comes out of camp that much ahead of the other guy. Okay. And then, Jerry, what are your thoughts on that same uh, question? Well, the old expression goes, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Um, however, to Josh's point, I, I think, at least in the early part of the year, I think it would be smart to play them both. Uh as we all have heard and as we all know, uh, guys can look spectacular in practice or guys can look ho-hum in practice, and when the lights come on, you might get a whole different quarterback. Uh, I think for that reason, it'd be smart to play both guys early in the year and see if one distinguishes himself in live game action and, and maybe let that guy take over down the stretch. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, going back to what you said about, uh, you know, uh, Ja'Cory Harris and uh, – yeah, Freeman or was it Marv? I mean, uh, they they um 
you know, they found out pretty quick that Ja'Cory Harris was better than Robert Marv. You know, I mean, I, I think I think that's really uh, the way I would go about it. Unless, again, one of these guys, Olsen or Kaya, is just that much better and turns out to be a natural leader and hits all the intangibles and intangibles. Then, you know, you stick with one guy. But, you okay. know, if it's, if it's a toss-up, you know, hit both sides of the coin. That's what I say. And, you know, all of that is fair. Um, it's tough because we don't get to ease into the schedule as uh, in years past. We start out with Louisville, uh, you know, who is a good team and, you know, coming off of what happened in the Russell Athletic Bowl that we're not going to talk about. So um, that's a tough task for either quarterback. Um, but one thing I will say uh, as a last part of this uh, discussion is the the fact that Kaya is not on campus for spring ball is huge in this whole um, hypothetical because he doesn't have the extra amount of time that other players like Ja'Cory Harris had by graduating high school early because his high school doesn't allow that. So, um, you know, it would be a tall task. I think it's too tall a task for pretty much any true freshman at the quarterback position to do uh, to come in and, and really compete uh, for playing time. But, you know, we'll, uh, maybe he'll prove me wrong. Maybe he is that guy, uh, you know, that we're looking for uh, to start for four years, like Jerry said. Um. And I just want to add one follow-up, guys, if I may. This is, again, going to be something that's probably going to annoy the hell out of Miami fans, but I think we really need to temper expectation a little bit now. I, I know nobody ever wants to hear that, but if you think you're going to win the ACC coastal or elsewise with a freshman or a redshirt freshman quarterback at the helm, you know, I mean, if the defense improves significantly and Duke Johnson hunts for 2,000 yards, anything's possible. But for me personally, it tempers expectation. I know that's never popular amongst Miami fans for any sport, but but to me it lowers the yeah. expectation. Yeah, building on top of that, Jay, I mean, think about the fronts Duke Johnson is going to face next year. All right, if one of these quarterbacks doesn't distinguish themselves, he's going to be running against, you know, a seven, eight-man fronts all the time. I mean, what are they going to – they're not going to be scared of, uh, you know, for, like you said, a freshman, a redshirt freshman quarterback unless those guys can distinguish themselves. So you might see that if Duke Johnson runs for 2,000 yards being a lot more difficult without a good passer back there or, or a competent passer. Not that those guys won't be, but like we were saying, the odds are they'll probably struggle. Yeah, odds. and I mean, it, 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 it puts more pressure on the offensive line to protect those guys and to – and, you know, to be able to run successfully, too. I mean, it, it puts more pressure on the team in general, in my opinion. It does. And, I mean, the 2,000-yard the number is, is a great number. And while you guys were talking, I hopped on the Google machine, and I looked it up. There have been 14 2,000-yard seasons in the history of college football. So, you know, that's uh, – yeah. That, that, I mean, that, that's tough to come by anyway, let alone uh, with a, a young – quarterback, even though I think that our offensive line is going to do well and they've been doing pretty well uh, through the course of this spring, um, that's a, a tall, that's a, a big number of yards to ask for. Can I put a positive spin on this? So he's going to get 800 of them versus Florida Southern? Or? <laughs> no, my positive spin is uh, there's been 12 more 2,000-yard rushers than there have been uh, redshirt freshmen winning uh, high school trophies. <laughs> <laughs> touche, touche. <laughs> well done, Jay. <laughs> thank, nice. thank you, guys. You know, I, I wasn't a math major at UM, but I did a <laughs> quick math on that one. 
<laughs> well, you know, we're no, higher than another. We had high uh, academic standards, so we didn't have to be math majors to do that, that simple arithmetic. Um, so going on to uh, or away from math and, and going back to the, the physical part of uh, football, uh, Miami had their pro timing day this week on Thursday, and the big story there was Chantrell Henderson um, didn't finish his workout. Uh, the first report was that he quit. Uh, he was displeased with his workout, with his numbers, and then he just stormed off. Another report said, no, he finished uh, his workout, and then he was just mad, so he didn't talk to the reporters. And then later his agent said, no, 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 no. He, um, he was exhausted. He was dehydrated and felt like he was lightheaded and going to throw up, uh, and that's why he didn't complete the last couple of things. Um, so for you guys, starting with uh, Jerry, what do you make of this whole Chantrell Henderson story, and how um, does that affect him, do you think, going forward towards the NFL? Uh, well, first of all, I want to bang my head into the wall for Chantrell. <laughs> I mean, here's a guy that comes to Miami, number one player in the country, incredibly talented. I mean, shows that talent sporadically in four years at UM, has a lot of ups, downs, uh, comes out after graduating at UM and says marijuana was a problem and that's cleared up. And then apparently, I mean, reading between the lines, comes in to his pro day out of shape and and can't finish. And, I mean, I'm going to put myself in an NFL GM's position. Before his pro day, I'm looking at him as a fourth, fifth-round sleeper, a, a guy that I can maybe work with and get to be more disciplined and clean up his technique a little bit and turn into a starting right tackle in the NFL, a well-above-average starting right tackle at that. Now I'm looking at him and I'm saying maybe the seventh round, maybe give him a look as an unrestricted free agent. You know, I still believe in the talent, but, you know, he just cost himself a bit of money and it's a shame. And that's really all I have to say. It's, it's just a shame because this is a guy that, you know, has the world by the oysters and is just not taking advantage of his incredible talent. So I'm, just, I'm disappointed for him. Okay, and then, uh, Josh, what, uh, what did you make of that whole thing? Oh, well, he was, he was supposed to be, what, Orlando Pace when he came into uh, UM. He was going to be the next – I mean, not that Orlando Pace was a UM tackle, but, you know, a, a top – Offensive lineman at the next level, you know, people are even saying he could win a lot of college awards at, at the beginning. Uh, I look at this, uh, like, from a psychological angle, I, I look at this guy, and he's had, like, some off-the-field stuff, nothing like that serious. He can't make his weight. He gets frustrated. It's, uh, I just don't see his personality type at this at this point really succeeding in, in the NFL. He didn't even wait till he got a contract like, uh, like uh, Puig did. You know, Puig's making money. And he's acting like a bonehead. I think uh, this guy, like Jay said, he's, he's, his draft stock is dropping. You know, I'm a I'm a Giant fan. I'd, I'd want them to take a flyer maybe in the later rounds because you never know. It's maybe worth a gamble due to his athletic ability. But, I mean, at this stage of the game, if you, if you can't get it together uh, before your pro day, before you're potentially drafted, before you're going to get some kind of guaranteed money, uh it doesn't look good. Okay. Um, and those those thoughts are fair and, you know, uh, par for the course because most people uh, pretty much agree with that. Uh, let me throw this out there, though. 
The other thing that the agent said, and of course you have to take anything that the agent says with a grain of salt because he's trying to represent his client, he said that Henderson was not going to go through an entire uh, pro day workout. He was not going to run uh, the 40 and the things at the beginning. He was going to do the position drills and a couple other selected things. But when he hit the field, Sean Charles competitive instincts took over. He said, no, I'm going to do everything that everybody is going to do. Do you buy that? Does that change your opinion if he did more things? Um, or are you still just, you know, no, this was, either way, it's a bad look, it's a bad choice. Um, you shouldn't have gained the eight pounds that you gained uh, after the combine, uh, and you just look bad. Yeah, I, I I agree with that last part. I think it's you know he, so he comes to the workout. He's he's overweight, and there, I mean there's excuses why he can't. I mean the, the real thing here is he couldn't get himself into shape before the biggest moment of his you know potential career, and I think that's the biggest red flag I see in this. Is like what what is holding him back from at the time where he could kind of erase all his his you know his ups and downs of the last four years. He could have erased them all. Etch a sketch. Remember that. He could have shook the edge of sketch, and what did he do? He he, he didn't. I I just think that's a a really a really strong warning sign into you know his, his future maybe in the NFL. I could be wrong. You know, I hope the guy gets it together and he becomes a an outstanding tackle. I think Jay, you mentioned he's not even considered a left tackle anymore. He's a right tackle. Yeah. So I mean, you know, he's already lost that. <laughs> he's already lost his position. So I, you know, I, I don't know. That's just my feeling on it. I think it's, it's it's a tough road for him. Okay, and then uh, Jerry, did the the last agent statement context change your opinion at all, or no? Not at all. And, and I tell you, uh, to borrow one of uh, the amigos' terms, I find the whole thing about not doing every drill to be absolute hogwash. Unless you're unless you're a guaranteed first round pick and you just don't want to risk your stock by running a bad forty. I don't understand why a guy that's projected between the fourth and fifth rounds was going to come to a pro day and not do every drill anyway. I mean, I, I look at it, a guy with his talent that's projected to be a fourth or fifth rounder, if his mind is right, if his body's right, there's no place for him to go but up. And somehow he managed to go down. I, it, I, I don't buy it at all. I'll just leave it at that. I think he should have been doing every drill from the beginning anyway uh, to improve his chances because – He's a guy that there's whispers about him being, you know, a first or second round talent. Why would you not want to show people what what you can do, unless you're just not mentally or physically prepared? So I just don't buy it. Okay, um, and that's fair, um, you know, because again, like I said uh, before, if any agent statement has to be taken with a grain or a mountain of salt. Um, but as a Lions fan, when we could use a potential upgraded right tackle. Looking at him, and he's six foot eight and three hundred and thirty-seven pounds. Um, you know what? I, for my team personally, would like to tr- uh, take that flyer also. Um, you know, maybe in the mid rounds, and see if we can, you know, catch lightning in a bottle like we were talking about um, earlier. Now, the last thing that, or one of the last things that I'll bring up now is we are coming towards the end of spring football practice. Obviously, we have two closed scrimmages behind us and I think 13 of the 14 practices. So we have one practice on this week, Tuesday, and then the spring game coming up next week, Saturday. Um, what in general are you looking to see um, at the spring game? 
Uh, I'll feel that one first, Cam. And it, it was a completely different answer a week ago, and I hate to harp on the subject that we've already talked 20 minutes about. But I, I want to see how Olsen runs the team. It, it's his show now. I want to see how he runs the team. I want to see how he distributes the ball. I want to see his body language coming in out of the huddle. Um, I, I want to see if he's ready to take that next step and be a Division One, a major Division One starting quarterback uh, on a team that's, you know, ready to compete for an ACC title or at least, you know, uh, make some strides over last year. Um, the the story that probably I would have been looking at before uh, the Williams injury would have been, you know, the defense. Are they more physical? Are they tackling better? Um, are they getting to the ball? Are they not blowing coverages? You know, are they improving in general over, you know, the dumpster fire we saw last in uh, Louisville in the Champ Sports Bowl? So um, right. it's got to be Olsen, though. It, for, for anything to overshadow last year's defense, this is the only thing that could have done it. And so uh, that's the thing I'm looking for. Okay. And then, Josh, uh, let's stipulate that we want to see Greg Olson. Oh, sorry, Kevin Olson, younger brother. Um what he does. We're, we all know that. We all want to see that. What's another couple things that you're looking forward to seeing uh, in the spring scrimmage? Oh, wow. Um, I, I mean, initially, uh, one of the things I was really interested in, I was kind of going back for a second to, to Williams, is I wanted to see how the offense would have worked with more of a, a quarterback with more of a touch, and, and on, especially on short and middle-range passes. And, you know, UM's offense under Morris, they threw a lot of deep balls. And I was looking forward to seeing how a uh, you know more accurate uh, quarterback, at least short range, would, would be able to maximize the UM, UM's uh, speed at wide receiver. Uh, it seems like they didn't do that over the last couple of years. It was like either a home run or, or nothing. Um, but, yeah, I guess going into the season, I, I mean, obviously you want to see how Olsen does, but the defense, can they stop a cold? You know, can they, can they stop the run? Uh, we've been asking that for a few years now, and – you know, I, I think that's a, another big key. I mean, they just get run over a lot, so I'm hoping that it's a little more stout this year. Okay. Um, and, you know, I think that all those sentiments from both of you guys echo the sentiments of the, the fan base in general. Personally, I want to see Stacey Coley uh, take another stride forward, and it looks like that's what he's been doing this spring, um, pretty much uncoverable. If you watch the uh, recap that uh, University of Miami put out after the second scrimmage, first play of the game, um, Ryan Williams over the top 76 yards uh, to Stacey Coley. He's pretty much um, becoming that five-star All-American first-round draft pick in two years that we thought he would be um, when we recruited him. So just looking for more progression from him. Also, I want to see the, um, the defensive ends I'm really interested in. Um, I've been hearing a lot about uh, Quan Muhammad and Tyreek McCord. Uh, I'm really interested to see what they do, especially going up against Flowers and Gadbois um, throughout the entire scrimmage. That's really where I'm looking. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you got some you got some big time prospects on the defensive side of the ball. So I, I agree, Cam. We we got to see them in some live game action. Chad Thomas is. You know, definitely somebody I want to see. So, well, yeah, but Chad Thomas isn't coming in until spring or until summer. So, you know, we won't get a chance to see him this Saturday, but soon. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely right. Uh, so, the last point before we wrap up here, 
Um, at this spring game on Saturday, they're going to have the new jerseys on display. We're not going to be wearing them, but all the jersey combinations are going to be on display. What jersey do you want them to bring back, or what do you hope that the jersey might look like, Josh? Oh, man. I, I, uh, I, I don't really know. I, I think they all look pretty good. Uh, I have no preference, honestly. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, it's just gear they wear was to go smash each other. So I mean, you know. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, to point, yeah. To Josh's point, the uniform that I am most looking forward to watching them wear is the one with the most opposing blood on on the jersey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I just want to see them do well. I, I never really uh, got into the the fashion side of things. I, I know Oregon does some like crazy things with their uniforms, and if it's fun and the fans enjoy it, I, I'm all for it. But uh, I, I don't have a preference. I, I just want to see them yeah, do well. I agree with the Oregon thing. Also, Boise State. You can't even watch one of their games without getting vertigo. I, I just I, I just think they should keep it simple. We have you know decent colors. They look pretty good. <laughs> just don't yeah, well, as long as they don't, as long as they don't do what Maryland did a couple of years ago with that state flag oh, thing or whatever the hell that was, I mean that that like really you look like somebody like puked up a Domino's pizza onto a jersey. Yeah, but I mean for Boise State, it's really just a blue jersey on their blue turf is what makes it bad. And for yeah. Maryland, they're the flagship school for Under Armour. Their CEO went there just like Phil Knight went to Oregon, so he had to do something to give them some cachet. And two years later, we're still talking about that one uniform. So it might have been terrible, but it was memorable. And I guess for them, you know, only publicity is good publicity. Um, That's a fair point, definitely. uh, For for me, I I do love the jerseys. Um, I'm the person who fell in love with Oregon on NCAA college football because I could make all 132 jersey combinations. with their swag, basically. I want to see green jerseys, and I, like a lot of the fan base, want to see black cleats come back. I don't know. I just think that those are – they have an edge to them. It reminds me of the Fab Five from Michigan when I was growing up when they first came out with those black Nikes. Uh, it just has an edge that I want to see uh, that we bring back. And hopefully uh, those two things, the green jerseys and the black cleats, come back. But if not, um, I just want to see something that is – attention giving and not in, in the Domino's pizza thrown up on a uniform uh you know, kind of way. Yeah, I, I Cam, to your point, uh I, I grew up and still am a, a huge boxing fan and when I hear the black sneakers, I think the black sneakers and black socks of Mike Tyson. I mean, was there anything more intimidating in the eighties, maybe early nineties than Tyson? Yeah. Yeah, that was he was pretty intimidating. Well, I mean, that and he was not his voice, but maybe not Tyson's voice, but everything else about him was pretty intimidating. (laughs) Yeah, he he had a a wonderful singing voice, that Mike Tyson. The other one that, hey, that's Josh and Jerry talking bad about Mike Tyson. I camera on him not doing that. Uh, I, I want to do an entire podcast on Mike Tyson and just break down like his, his best quotes of all time one week. Are you guys up for that? Oh yeah, that'd be fun. Well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure that there's plenty of them. So yeah. Uh, I, my favorite all-time Tyson quote while we're uh, off topic here in our non-cane related segment is uh, when after he defeated Frank Bruno, who was from Britain, and the announcer asked him, you know, 
what his focus was in the fight, uh, he said, well, I knew he wanted to impress his fellow countrymen, but how dare he challenge me with his primitive skills? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <clears throat> I met, actually, I met Lennox Lewis at a, at a party a few years back, and um, onto the Mike Tyson thing, and I, I was kind of a little... And I had a few drinks. Lennox was, was kind of a little bombed, too. And I asked him, I said, um, you know, Lennox, you said some really memorable things as a, as a boxer, you know, pretty good quotes. And he's like, oh, yeah, name one. I was like, well, Mike Tyson said he was going to eat your children. You said the only, thing he, the only thing he would eat is your left and your right. And he looks at me with his literally basketball-sized fist, like, like a few inches away, and he goes, and that's exactly what happened. So Lennox was pretty cool. Okay. Cam, Cam, do you feel pressure now to have done a Tyson impersonation? And uh, Josh has done an impersonation of Lennox Lewis to, like, break out some sort of heavyweight uh, former champion impersonation? You know, um, I, I know my limitations and impersonations uh, are not my strong suit, so I'm just going to leave that to you guys and uh, enjoy as you continue to go down that road. Well, if you, if you jump up down my strong suit either. If you jump oh, yeah, up and down like a chicken and look like you're about to fall down, you could do a Zab Judah impersonation. There you go. Uh, I, you guys, I we're never we're never gonna end the show if you get me talking boxing. So I I, I gotta I gotta cut it here. But, uh, it. Right. but let, let, let's close things out. Um, first of all, I just want to remind everybody, um, and I just want to thank Justin Heller and Donovan Kirk one more time uh, for coming on the show and. And the last time I'll do this, I'm just going to promote one more time. It's hkacademy14 at gmail.com to get in touch with those guys or 248-935-0159. It should be fun for anybody that's children ages 7 to 12 that wants to pick up some skills. So um, thank you again to those guys for coming on. Uh, Josh, thank you for coming on. Cam, thank you for coming on. Uh, Guys, don't forget uh, that the Amigo Show will be back on Wednesday. No, 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 no. I'll say it again. Hogwash. And it's not hogwash. He really will be on Wednesday. And I think we'll close it out. Any closing thoughts, guys, before we shut this one down? I'm good. No, I'm good. And uh, hopefully we'll see everybody out at the spring game next Saturday and recap next Sunday on the pod. All right, guys. Thank you again. And this concludes Days of the Eve.